Speaking the Language of Leadership Read by the author and coach Colin Luthard The last part Closing the Gate Chapter 14 The Last Flight Wednesday, June 6, 1802 The coach had just arrived at Arlanda Airport. He was late. The traffic had been terrible and they had lost easily 30 minutes in a traffic jam on the motorway E4 leading north from Stockholm. As the taxi pulled up at the curb of Terminal 5, the coach had already released his seatbelt and opened the door. He thanked the driver for the prepaid ride and swung himself out of the taxi. He pulled his board case quickly from the back seat of the car. He turned on his heels. Less than 45 minutes to go until takeoff, he murmured to himself. He took big steps towards the rotating doors into Terminal 5 and knowingly turned right to the Starline section of the airport where he found the next check-in machine that was free. The electronic check-in was routine. 1809. The coach reached the SAS security line for the security check and he showed his boarding pass to the electronic reader at the turn gate, but it refused his entry, like so many times before. They still had not fixed that software. The guard, who was standing at the computer desk, looked at the coach with curiosity and the coach handed his boarding pass to him. The assistant waved his boarding pass in front of the electronic reader with the same result. He glared at the pass and took a deep breath, ready to say to the coach that he was standing in the wrong line. Then he realized it was a Lufthansa economy ticket and a gold status. So the assistant took a few steps to a side to a reader on the other security line to verify the validity. He got a green light. The coach took his boarding pass and said thank you, but there was no reply. 1811. The coach hasted to the line at the security check. There were five people in the queue, not too many. When it was his turn, he took the two grey trays and balanced them on the slim ledge in front of the conveyors to the scanner. It appeared that the designers for the conveyors had not counted for the travellers needing to store their things into several trays. There was no place to do that, but it worked. The coach slid his laptop into one tray and added his belt and his toiletries and pushed the tray onto the conveyor. The other tray he loaded with his board case and he put his jacket on top. It followed the first tray into the scanner. 1819. The coach had passed the personal metal detector, passed the security employee and proceeded to wait for the grey trays with his things to appear from the scanner and trundle along the conveyor until the glass protection gave him permission to reach for the trays. Having no place to park the trays or his things on the side of security check either, the coach did his routine. He was used to picking up his belt first, then putting on his jacket. While his board case was still on the second tray, he tried to stow his laptop into the case. But he had to keep pace with the conveyor. That felt too awkward. He stuffed the toiletries into the case, closed it, took it off the tray and took his laptop under his arm. He headed for the display with the departure gates. LH805 was at gate 10 and the boarding light was blinking. 1822. The coach caught a glimpse of the clock on the wall over the security area and he took a quicker pace through the duty-free area with his board case following him quickly. It was the opposite direction through the duty-free area than to gate A10. All for commercial reasons, not for travelers, the coach thought. He passed the lines at the cash counters and turned left down the narrow shopping aisle. He had still a good way to go, passing the cafeteria, the bank, the bookstore, the Lego shop. He knew them well. 1827. The overhead announcement was calling the coach's name and he turned right and headed down the long corridor that lined all the gates, dodging the oncoming travelers. A10 
was the last one at the far end. 1831. The gate area at A10 was deserted when he arrived. There was only one person standing at the counter. The Swedavia ground attendant at the gate arranged some papers. But the doors appeared to be still open. Am I the last one? The coach asked over his breath. Boarding pass and ID, please, was the formal reply. The coach searched his pockets for his wallet and found his ID card. He held the boarding pass and the ID to the gate attendant who swiped the boarding pass. It showed green and he handed it silently back to the coach. Thank you, said the coach, having gathered some more breath. He moved down the gangway towards the plane. 1835. The Lufthansa stewardess was standing in the door to the plane. Guten Abend, wir haben auf Sie gewartet, she said with a smile. Dankeschön. Sorry for keeping you waiting, the coach returned. The traffic was terrible. Willkommen an Bord, the other stewardess said. Relax, calm down, you have made it. Which seat do you have? A6, the coach said, feeling more relieved by the friendly and empathetic reaction of the Lufthansa staff. Right there, the stewardess said and pointed to the window seat. Have a nice journey. Excuse me, the coach said, as a slender man from 6C got up and stood in the aisle. No problem. The coach sat and fastened his seatbelt and relaxed. He watched his seat neighbor do the same and said, I am just glad I could make it and start my journey home. The man in 6C smiled. The crew of LH-8-5 started with their security announcement. Wednesday, June 6, 1905. It was a clear evening when the Airbus A321 was climbing rapidly from Arlanda. It is a lovely sunny evening, the coach commented, looking out. Quite regularly. We had a meeting at our head office. It appeared to the coach that he could hear very good English spoken, but there was still a French accent. Vous êtes français? the coach inquired. Évidemment, je ne peux pas le cacher, the man replied with a grin. Well, je les aime les longues, the coach answered back. You speak so good English. How do you maintain your language skills? the coach wanted to know. Well, thank you. In fact, it is obvious to me, the man replied. I treat languages like any mechanical skill I have. I mean, you have to maintain the mechanical skill all the time, otherwise you lose it. So, consequently, I practice as often as I can. Sometimes I have to look up some word or ask my friends if I, if I speak correctly. I can never be professional if I at anything if I don't work at it continuously. If I just think about it and hope to use it only when it becomes necessary, it won't be much of a skill. That is so true to many things, the coach said. It turned out that Laurent, the co-passenger in seat 6C, was working for a consultant firm that had its base in Stockholm. They were known for consulting manufacturing firms to improve their productivity by applying key elements of lean manufacturing. Later during the flight, after talking about some change projects, the coach explained Laurent about the effect of its four sides of leadership and the approach of taking leadership as a language. That is a very interesting approach and very important nowadays too. I think you have a point there. The sad thing is, Laurent reflected, uh, many times our clients don't really achieve to exploit the benefits of the process changes that we suggest. You see, at the beginning they are all eager to reorganize and uh, they want to implement the actions and the tools we propose. Then, when we come back to audit the level of savings and improvements they should have made, like a year later, we discover 
that they had reorganized and they have been using the tools we suggested, but only for a while. They claim that our tools did not have the effect they expected or they appeared to be too complicated. Sometimes they have even tried to adapt another type of tool that appeared more appealing for the moment. Often they just turned back to the previous way of working. Often they took a decision that it was simply too hard to follow through before consulting us. And then they even complained that lean did not work for them. Of course, they never reached the productivity improvements they were hoping to achieve. That is what you get when you think about changing the structure in an organization but never consider the culture. It looks like they try to move around a few boxes in the organization or the processes and expect that the people behave differently, the coach said. Yes, something is missing here, Laurent admitted. In the future, we'll have to think more about how we can engage management and see how we can implement a change in behavior. We really need to develop leaders that can run such a change. One day, I will send you a book about that, the coach promised. You have been listening to a chapter of Speaking the Language of Leadership, read to you by the author and coach, Colin Lutart. If you would like to know more about Speaking the Language of Leadership or the method presented in this book, called It's Four Sides of Leadership, and reach out to me, Coach Colin, then you simply write an email to language at itsfoursides.com. That's language at itsfoursides.com. And we'll take it from there. Take care.